Do you feel like it's time to begin a new period of productivity, growth, and success in your life? It happens. It happens. And we just need the right motivation and the right teacher. Welcome to the Bees Presents Epic Visionary. No matter where you are in life, if you've made it or on the way up the ladder, this is for you. We're here to enlighten, discuss, inform, and question established points of view so that we can begin a period of new discovery and achieve those life-altering, amazing results. This is The Bees Presents Epic Visionary. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Bees Presents Epic Visionary. And as usual, we will always be respectful of your time because we know time is the new currency. Time is the new currency. What I would also challenge you to do is make sure that you listen or try to listen for the get down. And the get down is the sweet spot or the part of the story or the conversation that if you take heed, we can play over and over and over again in our lives and help us make another step forward. And as always, again, remember that before you can connect the dots, you must first collect the dots. So hopefully we can leave some information that makes sense to you that you want to collect and put it back together to help you again, make another step forward at some point in time. And today's conversation is going to be, how does one see the invisible? How does one see the invisible? And to help us in that journey today, we have Mr. Andy Jones. He's the owner of Gerald Jones Auto Group. And first of all, give him a big welcome. Uh, thank you for Andy for coming on and uh, sharing with us today. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm excited because uh, he's uh, very near and dear to my heart and he's taught me a whole lot. So I get really excited about it. So what I'm going to do at this particular point is what I call set the atmosphere. We're going to talk just a little bit about him so you can kind of feel like you really, really know him. Well, first of all, he has eight stores. He has eight franchises that that he's involved in and that he owns. He has a Ford store, a Lincoln, VW, Audi, Mazda, Honda, Volvo and Subaru. And those last two are definitely near and dear to my heart because he's given me the opportunity to uh, lead his ship there. And again, I will be forever grateful for that. Uh, As we move forward here, he's got about 38 years or so of experience of owning and operating automobile dealerships. Uh, The business has been around, I believe it's been family owned since 1974. His father, Mr. Gerald Jones, is the uh, founder of the the dealerships. With that being said, if I'm not mistaken, he became a partner pretty much as a junior at the University of Georgia. Now, with that being said, he's a big time UGA fan, which he will talk about that all day and all night long. Uh, as we move forward, we do know that football season's around the corner. So uh, he might even go off on a tangent on that. Who knows? But nonetheless, I'm a Gamecock, but he'll be all right. So so as we look at it, the part of this that really, really works out for me is he has what I call a servant's heart. And there's so much that he has done and that he is doing right now that I can't get it all. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, there was a story about um, he and a group of friends or business partners at some particular point in time were talking, I guess they had conversations. They saw a need to start the armed forces day. And with that being said, after they kind of got together, they, they decided that, uh, they came up with thunder 
over Augusta, and that was born. Now, the coolest thing about that is that all these events that they have out there on that weekend is free to the public. Doesn't cost the public anything. Uh, they actually bus in people from uh, what you call wounded warriors to come in. Veterans and service members uh, are able to get um, served complimentary meals all day. And it has gotten so big that they had to move from downtown to now it's held at the Evans Town Center Park. Uh, the other cool thing about that is at the end of the night, there's a massive, massive, massive fireworks show. If you've never been, you need to go check it out. I believe it's probably uh, the largest or one of the largest on the southeast, uh, on the East Coast. So uh, they put a lot of time and effort into that. Now, the coolest thing about Andy is that the auto group and the family is just not the auto group, but his family invests a whole lot of time. They've donated millions and millions of dollars to nonprofits and service organizations in the CSRA uh, in our area. He's a big supporter of the Salvation Army. The Jones family also supports and feeds children in the school in uh, La Source, Haiti. Now, the, the, the ministry is actually known as Knitting Our Hearts Together, which is organized by Connie Jones, who is Andy's wife. Now, with that being said, his community involvement is endless. But nonetheless, I'm going to try to hit a few things anyway. Uh, he's with the Children's Hospital Advisory Board. He's on the Honda uh, Dealer Product Advisory Board, the Capital One Finance Advisory Board, uh, he's also been the vice chairman and the chairman of the Salvation Army. Uh, there are countless nominations that he's had uh, through the uh, Chamber of Commerce, and he spends a whole lot of time and invests a whole lot of uh, money and resources also with the Columbia Sheriff's Office. Now, uh, with those, that's just to name a few. I've got a whole list over here. But to me, uh, he's a great leader, mentor, and he's a friend that saw enough in me to give me an opportunity. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But what also comes about is specifically in my Subaru store, Subaru has what you call Subaru Loves Promise. And his servant heart aligns with Subarus and all of them's values. But nonetheless, I'm specifically talking about Subaru at this particular point, And that is to show love and respect at all interactions uh, with, with everyone with Subaru. So the reason why he's here today, though, is specifically to talk about his ability to lead people, uh, to take risk, and his ability to see things that others were unable to see. And we'll peel that onion back here in a little bit. Again, how does one see the invisible? And that's what we're going to talk about. So to kind of get the conversation started, Andy, my, my question for you is, how did you decide that the uh, car buying business or the car business uh, was what you wanted to do? Well, I was raised up in it. My father was in it literally before I was born. Uh, my first memories really are sitting on his lap at an auction when I was two or three, three or four. He worked two jobs at a time, so uh, I didn't see him a whole lot. But I've always loved the hustle and bustle and people associated with the car business. I love people anyway, and it just absolutely is my personality. Okay. Well, you know, and you talk about your personality, that's, that's something that, that I would simply say is you are a very genuine and authentic person. You know, that's ever since I met you from day one, it was never like this guy thinks he's too big for anybody. He's just, you're just natural. And, and it comes across that way. And I think that that helps set the stage for everybody else. So as I look at 
you and, and been around you, you've been very successful in the car business and in a lot of different ways. How do you just say, stay grounded and, and don't get the big head, I guess? One of the things my family taught me early on was be humble. We come from very, very humble beginnings. Uh, my grandparents worked in a mill. Uh, it just, I mean, we did not come from money, didn't start with money, and they got there. And one of the things that I watched my father and like simple little things. You go out and get in the car with four people, get in the back seat. Um, hold the door for people. Take the seat that's maybe maybe at a restaurant or something that's not the optimum seat. And if you keep yourself grounded in those small things, I think it leads forward. One of the philosophies I have is that whoever I'm talking to is smarter than I am and may know more than I do. So if you go into the situation in a business negotiation or a thought process or whatever in that, that you're not the smartest guy in the room, but you're pretty knowledgeable about it. I think you make less mistakes and you, you know, cause ego can't get you to write a check. You can't cash. Okay. Okay. So, so you mentioned being around other people. How do you uh, identify, you know, cause everybody has something to say generally, but there are certain people that you kind of be like this. This might be somebody I want in my circle. This may be somebody I don't. Is there a particular process or, or how do you navigate that? I like positive people. Um, I don't really, really, I won't say that I won't be friends with them, but I don't spend a great deal of time if somebody's always very negative. They don't have to be as enthusiastic as I'm about things. They don't have to be gregarious or something, but there's just some people that bring you down. They're not happy with anything. And I'm not talking about a period in your life when you're dealing with a health issue or something. I'm talking about just day in, day out, nothing suits, nothing's good. The French fries are always cold. It just does it. And I just don't really put people in like that in that. Now, sometimes you find it takes you a little bit to know that. You may meet someone at a golf course or in a, just your daily life and something happens and you say, well, you know, he's, he's interesting and he has a little bit in common. He likes what I like or whatever. But then you find out later that it, it, it's, you just kind of, I think the term today is ghosting. Okay. Just, just quietly <laughs> and politely. You just don't get into it with him. You just kind of spend a little less time there. Okay. Okay. So, so you kind of read, read their body language, kind of get a feel for them. And then you, you, you just kind of figure that out. I get it. So uh, I've been around you for a while and I know that you are very, um, you take a, a lot of notes and you get very engaged in everything that goes on. But are there a couple of books that you've read over the course of time that kind of stand out to you that that might be beneficial to Bees Nation as they kind of think about moving forward? Is there any, any books that, two books per se? Yeah, there was probably my favorite, a friend of mine who's been a very successful guy, sent me this by uh, Abrashoff. He was a uh, captain in the Navy. It's called Your It's Your Ship, mm-hmm. S-H-I-P. And in there, he basically used one-on-ones and stuff. And I, I, I bought several, several of those books, and I've given them out many times. The one I had that was highlighted and everything, I loaned to someone and I've actually lost it. But I would highlight certain things. Now, some of the things either reinforced what I already believed or, or articulated what it was. A lot of times when you listen to a podcast like this or you read a book or whatever, you might go, well, I know that. But can you repeat it and can you stay focused on it? So he's one of them. And Kim Blanchard wrote one that says, Who Moved My Cheese that I read years and years ago. And it basically just says that, you know, what made you successful today will not necessarily make you successful tomorrow. So as the things change, I mean, we all know in the past 18 months how things have radically changed. If you're stuck in your ways, you, you could be in serious trouble then. Okay. Okay. So the the 
question that I have for you now is as you kind of look around. So back as a junior, when you were thinking about, I want to get in the car business, I want to own a dealership. You're already in the car business, right? So what did, what did success look like to you then? Cause there's gotta be a driving force that I want to do something. Did you have an idea of what success looked to you at that time or what was success to you then? number one would have been following in my father's footsteps and then working with him. I can say growing up, I didn't see him much because he works much. So then once I was partners, it was constant growth. Um, we bought a store, right? I, I graduated Georgia in uh, the summer of 85. I bought the Subaru store in 86. We built a store. We've, built, we've constantly tried to improve our locations, our facilities, our systems, whether we added computer systems, we added also, when the internet came along, we you know jumped on all that, and it's always to me opportunities. Um, I've been in construction business, and, and I never left the car business, but I've also been in construction. We started a bank, we started um, some land. I've done developments, and I'm always interested in opportunities. And one of the things I would say is, if someone's listening to this, they're trying to grow. I asked my kids the other day at, at dinner. I said, "Do you like business?" Mm-hmm. And meaning that is, are you, do you read the Wall Street Journal or hear someone bought a piece of property and they made money and that excites you? Then that, well, how did they know that? Did, that? did How did I miss that? And then if not, it's like, oh, they got lucky. You're probably not going to be successful. But if it excites you to the point right. where you're trying to figure out how to get to that point, okay. then you'll you'll keep moving. Is it is it Was it just so I could make money or was it to have financial freedom or was it what? Or, or did you think that deeply about it at the time? You know, in our world, as you've heard me say many times, it's never wrong to sell a car. Mm-hmm. So early on, I came to work to sell a car. And then we tried to sell more cars, which I knew would help me grow. You've got to sell cars to grow because if I wanted another dealership, I had to be successful in the one I wanted. So the driving force was always numbers in that not necessarily just profit, but was I penetrating the market correctly? Was I selling enough parts was I in all these things and so that you balance it out so that one you'd have the ability to go forward and buy a store or grow another buy another business and um and then just constant growth as you know I bought the Ford store five years ago I've tried to buy a store since then I bought land as you know a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. I just I don't ever plan to retire okay and to me it's constantly learning like the the land I bought I'm learning farming I don't think about but (laughs) Okay, so you saw an opportunity there. So, so today, right? So, if you think back, let's go reverse back to being at, at UGA, right? Saying I want to do this. Is this what you saw then? I mean, the eight stores and all the things and the lifestyle and is that? Is it like, man, you know what? I remember that. Does that drive you to do something different? Because, because again, once you got here. I mean, you could be like, I don't I want to do nothing else. But like you said, you're not going to retire, right? Yeah, I mean, we've had conversations. Um, I've never gone out and bought multiple stores. Uh, one, I couldn't afford it. Two, you know, I didn't think I was qualified. I didn't go out of town and try to stretch stretch at the, in the past. I could do that now and operate stores in multiple cities. Uh-huh. We have the processes. So my, my success was, am I continually growing? Either growing the store itself and or adding stores to it. So you want same store growth and more store growth. And then, like I say, I've added other businesses when a, a automobile dealership wasn't available. So um, success is, 
I, I know I'm successful. I'm probably not as successful as I wish I had. And I've told y'all, you've been in meetings where I said, here's all the mistakes I made. Mm-hmm. And you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're, you know, people say, oh, everything you touch is turned to gold. Well, nobody <laughs> knows that. It's just a matter of, can you, you know, when you make the mistake, can you survive it? And then learn from it and try not to make it quite as deep the next time. Okay. So, uh, and, and you're right. Everybody is. Sometimes we look at successful people and we like everything was hunky dory. Um, but typically there's always adversity in some, some way, shape or form that people have to bounce back from. So let me ask you this. When you were sitting in your office and you must make a decision that will, uh, negatively impact people, right? Um, is there a process that, that you use to help you implement that decision and uh, still have the energy go up and not just come crashing down. If you've already, if you've always treated them in an honest, ethical manner, when you make a decision that's detrimental to someone, i.e. a pay cut or hours cut or accountability issues, um, they should know that it's for the benefit of the whole company. Now, if that's not how you've been treating people, then it's much more difficult the other part of that before I make it is I, I speak to two or three of my guys that are have grown with my company into leadership positions and ask them how they think it will affect them. Um, I had a conversation one day. We had to change pay commissions uh, commissions on sales when I brought the four guys up to have a, my leaders up and said, this is what I think I need to do. Here's why. One of them made the comment, well, that's better than we thought it'd be. Right. So a lot of times people know a decision's coming. They're, you, you know, I don't ever sell people short and say, oh, well, they don't know what we're going through. A lot of times they know more of what you're going through than you do. Okay. They expect it. Now they don't like it, but they expect it and they understand it. But again, going back to ethics and having a good um, support staff and, you know, the Bible says, you know, a wise man has a, a many advisors. And that's the thing. If you think it's all on you, you'll fail. Okay. So just like I came to you and we interviewed and I remember some questions that you asked me, but you knew that I had been in the car business for a while, but I didn't necessarily have the, the background of being a general manager. Right. So you still looked through that and took a risk. Um, what goes into those type of decisions? Cause I think a big part of what you do is you manage people really well. You've got to, you've got to kind of, kind of connect with the person. Um, as you know, we have 300 people here, and obviously I'm not friends with all 300. But you do spend an inordinate amount of time here, many times more than you spend with your family. So maybe not a friendship because you do have to have a professional, but at least uh, you get along. And you don't mind seeing them. You don't mind conversing with them. And a lot of it is the same philosophies in that how do you treat people, ethics, um, honesty, you know, uh, Will you take instruction, you know, if I give it correctly? Uh, will I listen if I ask you to do something? You go, well, why? And I explain it. And you say, well, I got a better way. And your way is better. Well, I'll accept that. So it's a two-way street. And But when you sit down with them, it's, it's you know, do they have the skill set? Do they have the, the energy? Do they have the desire? And then if they just don't have the exact technical skills and you think you can teach them those things, then, then you've got an opportunity. Okay. Can you give us a, uh, give Bees Nation an example of a time where, you know, things were going well, they thought they were going to go well, and you made a decision that did not turn out well for you, whether it be in the car business or otherwise, and 
you know, what prompted you to pivot and how did, how did you move on from that, that, that setback? My two, I'll say my two biggest mistakes. One was a dealership I did not get. I tried to buy the Ford store I have now in 1989. Now, in 1989, I was 29 years old or 28 years old. And the guy was literally going to jail that owned it. He had done some tax problems or had some tax issues. I wasn't knowledgeable enough to know that I could lease the building from him and buy it. He wanted to lease it because he was going to jail Mm -hmm. and the income for his family. He wanted a 10-year lease, and it was an expensive lease. But I could have bought it out five years once he got out of jail, and I missed that store, and that store was very, very profitable for the 25 years between then and to when I bought it. The other thing that I did get and didn't work out was we were going to be the Mahindra dealer here. I paid $150,000 in to get Mahindra. I renovated a building to the tune of about four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars. I bought one hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of equipment and parts, or equipment and material, excuse me, equipment and, and furniture, and then they never came here. So mm-hmm. how I got over the first one was I learned from it. How I got over the second one, quite frankly, I just had enough to swallow and keep going. That was painful, <laughs> right? But I, it didn't risk my business, and that's the thing: is you get bigger, I can make a mistake. I could go buy a dealership and it not work out and do it, and it probably won't cost me my dealerships now the only really thing that could cost me if you had a catastrophic lawsuit or you did something that was unethical the manufacturer pulled your your franchise or maybe if you had a major economic you know thing that lasted a long long time mm-hmm. but in reality you're not going to lose a business once you have a foundation in okay if you keep paying attention and you're engaged which i am i'm here every day okay Okay, and you you definitely lead from the front. That's what I like about you. So, you know, the place where your stores are 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 the the Mazda, the Honda, the Subaru, Volvo, uh, VW, and Audi stores um, are in a little different kind of location for me. Right? Uh, it was a was a Roses. Was it a um, a mall? Right. Shopping center that was anchored by Roses. It had a frame shop, a dive shop haircut place, a CC's pizza in it, and one empty building when I bought it. Okay. And I had to pay roses to get out. And then I built all my stores here. When you, when you made that move at that time, were you already like uh, solidified and, you know, you were kind of bulletproof, so to speak? Or well, I, I think you remember you telling me that, that you were um, you were stepping out there, what we call faith. Yeah, I, I used the term I was so far out on the limb I couldn't see the tree. <laughs> Uh, yeah, when I did it, I could not afford what I did. Um, I bought the store. I, I felt like I had to do it to move off the area where I was because my customers were moving west, which is where we moved. Um, I ended up spending, and I knew I, I spent the same amount of money I knew I'd spend, but it was it was a lot. And then business was a little difficult. I bought it in August of 2001. We all know what happened September 11, 2001. So mm-hmm. uh, we had, you know, Really, really, obviously, huge uncertainty for, you know, several years now. The war started, and we had things, and then I started building buildings, and then the economy went up and down. We had 0809, and that's why I say it's, uh, I was, I was not bulletproof in any way, shape, Right, right. So, so that's, that's what, and that's part of what I was looking at here is, uh, how do you see the invisible, right? So, to me, that's kind of like faith anyway. But to to set that up, you know, people can have blind faith, right? They're not necessarily, I, I believe that I'm going to go to the moon, but they don't put in the work ethic. So was it the the fact that you felt like you had already 
accomplish something or you were just willing to 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 take that risk because you thought it would get you to a certain place? What was your mindset then? Yeah, I, I knew I had to. I knew that the area where I, that I was in, my customer base was moving. So I was going to have a much more difficult time with parts and service more so than sales. People ride across town and buy a car. They won't ride across town if it's hard to service the car. Okay. The other part was I was 39, and I knew that I, I, the biggest faith I had was my work ability, that I would work hard enough to make it work. I didn't have to be overly smart. I just had to work really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And I did. And at that point, I was 39, like I said, and I was leading people in that it was the first time that I borrowed so much money that I couldn't just sell cars and outrun the payment. Okay. It was, uh, it was I had to lead people to help me make enough money to do it. So that was a, a little bit more of the faith part than the other. I felt like I could, but, you know, it was more stores. We expanded two stores in there and all that. And it was, um, that was the big thing, but it was just, and if, if I had to give one piece of advice at that, if you're young, you can take a chance. Mm-hmm. You've got time to cover. If you are a little older and you want to go, you know, go out on a big career, have at it. Just don't spend all your savings at that point because okay. it, you can't recover. It's like in the stock market. As you get older, you start putting more and more conservative investments out. You shift your right. portfolio because if, you, if you're if you 35 and it drops 25%, you got time to recover. If you're 75 and it drops 25%, you may not. Okay. So, so uh, as you grow an organization or a group, you are Andy Jones. You're the baddest man on the planet. 39 years old, bulletproof, right? So, but at that time, what did you have a point in time where you say, you know, I've got to kind of let it go a little bit. I've got to uh, be able to trust other people to do that. Did you ever have that uh, as a as a point in time that you recognize, look, I got to I got to let some stuff go to get better? Yeah, I've never been a micromanager. I've never been one that just looks over your shoulder for every statement. Okay. One of the things that I do have, or I always have done is that if someone I found, or my opinion is that if someone has an idea and they run it by you and you're saying, and even if you're just lukewarm toward it or you think, yeah, it's got an you know, a, a opportunity to work, and mm-hmm. you let them go, they'll work harder at it because now they're not afraid to have to come tell you it failed. If they try to run a program out there and it fails and they spend X dollars, then they're going to be very embarrassed when they come to you and say, hey, boss, I spent this much money and it failed. If they come to me and I said, all right, now you're going to have to try hard on this, and, and you say, I'll do it, and then don't fail, well, they already kind of have tacit approval, and and that makes it where they can only work one thing. You've heard me say a lot of times, you can't fight two wars. Right. If you're having a really tough time at home due to mm-hmm. any kind of strife or stress or health problems, and work's tough too, it's very, very difficult. You can handle one of the other. Right. It's kind of going, if it's just work and you got issues at home, you can handle it. If, works, if home's okay and it's a little hard at work, you can handle it. But when it gets two or three things, it's very, very difficult to stay on task, stay focused, and really succeed. And that's where, as a leader, you have to acknowledge these people and give them some help. 300 okay. people, we're going to have it. With COVID, we've got, you know, you're going to have it. Other issues come up. Good things can happen. You can have, We've had people adopt kids, and they had to be gone for a month to go to whatever, Russia or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be bad things. But you got to realize this is making their life better. I believe you have to be flexible to let them have some things. Now, it may put a little hardship on the people around them, but it can go either way. It doesn't always have to be bad. People think normally bad things, but good things can happen. You have a daughter get married, you kid graduate. I mean, a lot of good things distract you, you know, travel baseball for, for a period in your time. But if you keep somebody for a long enough time, those two, three weeks you give them here, there, what can you do? Okay. So 
was there a specific time that you remember uh, something happened, event, whatever the case may be, you ran into hardships, or it could have been some great times, but you recognize that I'm a pretty good leader, right? Because I've had times that, that, that I looked at, I was like, you know, that was pretty good. I, I need to reproduce that. And uh, then I've had those times where it's like, you know, you got to get better at it. But do you remember a specific event or something that happened that you're like, you know, that was good? You know, again, going back to trying to be humble, I don't really identify that. I mean, I've had conversations with people, and during the conversation, I realized what the issue was, and it wasn't our relationship, or it wasn't they couldn't do the job. It was and they either didn't have the tool or didn't have the knowledge or something to succeed where they are, and then they've succeeded. You and I, early on, it was about how you talk to people, not profanity, whatever. It's just, you know, you came through a rough side. I came through a rough side. Not everybody can talk to that. Now, you've got, I've got 48 managers. Mm-hmm. I talk to each one of them differently because each one has a different personality. Now, when I acknowledge that, I can't put a date on. Okay. But I've learned it through the years because you may you may think you're telling somebody perfect, and you may win the battle and lose the war. Okay. I, I remember one guy in particular. I uh, was he wanted to be an F and I manager, and I showed him he was a great salesman. I showed him what all it was, thinking that I was showing him why he wouldn't like it. He understood it was me showing him that he couldn't do it. He quit, went to another store because he was going to be an F and I manager. Mm-hmm. They never made an F and I manager. He sold cars for him for twenty years, and he retired not too long ago. Okay. So I just misunderstood. My intention was to show him that hey, he could do it. I just didn't think he'd like it. Okay. His perception was I was telling him he couldn't do it. Okay. If uh, based on your experience right, right now, if you had to take a class, if there was a class that was offered for leadership. What would the name of that class be? What would you think? Um, I mean, how to understand people, and of course, you'd have to. You could be a doctor in psychology and not understand them. But mm-hmm. you know, we we always see these surveys that money's not the number one motivator. Okay, it's input, uh, caring, compassion, and all those things. And I think if you had one that you ever did and drank the Kool Aid on that, would really help you succeed. You know, when you read these companies that are ultra successful, they have the whiteboards and they have the gathering areas and all this is pre-COVID. And they have, you know, free food or free snacks and all these things. And again, we're talking about more millennials than mine and your generation. But a better place to work, not necessarily more money, mm-hmm. but we've talked about it many times. Can we work four tens instead of that? People want these experiences, but they got to make enough money to experience them. And that balance of people you know some people will swap time for money okay i don't mind it, but you right. know, if you're trying to optimize your money it requires time okay if you were going to uh you were going to have a class that you were going to teach on one subject for leadership or risk management or whatever what well, what would you teach have staying power okay i've i've had conversations and conversations because i counsel people all the time in business and they either and, and they let it and it'd be I guess the title of it would be don't let enthusiasm replace having a plan. Okay. And you know, they get all excited, they want to do this particular job or open this particular dealership or store or have this idea of a website or whatever, but they don't have any money. So if they make one mistake mm-hmm. in business and, and it takes some sacrifice. I mean, my mom and dad worked in this company, they my dad got I got in. I've worked at it. So you've got, my dad was in the business 40, 50 years. I've been in almost 40 years. Well, we've got 90 years mm-hmm. of 
working in the car business to get us here. So it's not an overnight thing. Now, social media kills us because you got one guy that come up with, you got one influencer that does that. But the reason they're on the news is there's only one of them. Right. Or there's only two of them. I mean, you got 330 million people in the U.S. and you got 25 of them making money being influencers. And even that's not easy. Okay. And uh, you got to love what you do, but you've got to have some stand power. You've got to have a plan, how much it's going to cost you if people don't pay you, how much you're going to pay your payroll, how many hours can you work, mm-hmm. and are you going to be able to do it. Now, it doesn't have to make you rich. You may rather work for yourself and make less money than you work for somebody else. Mm-hmm. But you're building investment time in the future and you're building worth. But it's it would be that and have a plan. And then the, with a the caveat of do it ethically. Okay. Right. So as I as I look at it and came up with the, the question, how does um, one see the invisible? Uh, I think, you know, what's the motivation if somebody can come up with this is what I see. And I've envisioned myself already being there, which would be I knew I wanted to be a general manager of a store because that might lead me to certain things. And when things get a little tough, if I just reflect on what that is, not even where I am, but where I want to go, what does that look like to me? Uh, then that kind of gave me the motivation to continue to move forward. And it goes back to what you were saying. You were on the other side of town and you went out on a, on a limb that was so far you couldn't see the tree. Right. So there had to be something that you like, you know, there's something on the other side of this. Otherwise, why put yourself through that, that crucible when you don't necessarily quote unquote have to, what, what was it that made you go from one side of the town to the other side? Well, I knew I wanted to be in this long term. If I was, if I was, had wanted to get out 15 years ago at 50 years, at, well, I'm 58, at 45 years old, I could have retired. Mm-hmm. If I was willing to stop at that point, I could have sold everything over there and let the next person deal with it. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had a career for my kids if they wanted it. Okay. They did come into it at the time. I had no idea. I wouldn't have had the career that I love doing to be in, and I wouldn't have. I mean, you know my energy level, and I'd have had to go do something. So I'd have been working somewhere that maybe I didn't love as much as the car business. So I really didn't see it as a huge, I mean, it was a huge challenge monetarily, but the decision-making wasn't that hard. I knew I wanted to keep doing it. I looked at the census, what, what county was growing, which county was not, okay. and and where the, you know, just demographics, what the income was and all those. So mathematically, that decision wasn't much. And then once I got the banks to agree, that decision wasn't much. And then it was just plain old fashioned hard work. Okay. Well, again, I've been, been around the business for a long time. I've never seen a roses and got all the stores together and so forth and so on. And do you know of any other places like that? Did you see that? Or is that just kind of your, uh, they call them auto malls out West. We don't have much of that around here. Um, Arizona's got one you pull in, but every store is autonomous. And basically it's just a driveway around and everybody's up like that. If you go up around Gwinnett mall, you know, they've got stores on the line. You have automobile uh, road in a lot of towns, and everybody's mm-hmm. on one road. Uh, but I just had them all together, and I just thought that, you know, synergies, uh, combining accounting, combining detail, I just thought it made a lot of sense. And it was the, the building was big enough that it fulfilled my needs, but not so big I was going against, you know, Walmarts and stuff that I couldn't have competed with. Okay. Okay, because when I first came here, I was like, wow, I've never seen this before. Uh, but it does work, and it works very well. So um, I've always thought that as part of being a visionary and seeing things that other people don't see and moving forward, with that, that was um, impressive to me. As you kind of talk, you mentioned your family, um, and I know you to be a family man, and you consider 
people that you work with uh, on a different level. Uh, how do you um, how do you see your legacy? What, what do you want your legacy to be? I would say contentment. My father-in-law is probably the most content man I've ever been. He's a good Christian man. I mean, he goes by the saying, and you've heard it, that if you may be the only Bible some people ever read, what he's in. Uh-huh. And um, he, of course, obviously retired now, but you know, he worked hard for people all his life, helps his people. Um, I think the blessings through the servings that I do uh, now at my age and where I'm at, I have enough energy to serve, and hopefully I have enough experience that by me serving on all these boards, I can I can help you know get them over humps and get them through trials and tribulations. And you never know when your health is going to stop you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we've all had friends that were great one day and not great the next. So uh, as far as the family legacy is, uh, Connie and I have been married 32 years. My mom and dad have been married 68 years. Mm-hmm. My other and father-in-law were married over 50 years when we lost my mother-in-law. So, I mean, uh, in, in not that, but, you know, success comes. I mean, if you get divorced three or four times, you are not going to be successful because you're going to have no money. Right. And it just... <laughs> And, and the trials, the, the going right. through it is difficult. Mm-hmm. And um, but just being content, being a good citizen, okay. contributing and participating in your community—that's um, the thing. Anybody can write a check, but if you can't write a check, go serve. Okay, it's just as important, maybe more so. Give you an idea: if you want to do something simple, volunteer to Salvation Army, ring the bell. We make two times as much, or get two times as much donations in a, in that little bucket mm-hmm. from volunteers than we do if we pay people, which everybody ringing that bell isn't volunteering. We have to pay people because we have to make Okay. But we get twice as much of people that volunteer. Now, why that is, I can't answer. Okay. I don't know if we ring the bell faster. I don't know if we <laughs> smile more or what we do. But when we have volunteers, it's twice as much. Wow. So get you, get you Sunday school or whatever and go out and ring the bell for four hours with two of your buddies. I okay. Mean, it just, it's amazing the blessings you get from serving in any capacity. Okay, okay. Uh, that's a good question. Somebody will do a, a, a study on that and see why that is the case. So, which brings me to this, right? So Subaru, uh, has a love promise and they've got those pillars that they kind of look at and, uh, Subaru is a retailer that kind of looks at, um, being involved in the community and making that a big pillar of what they do. Again, they got Subaru loves pets. Subaru loves the earth. Subaru loves learning Actually, on this September the 17th, we're going to be, we have what we call Juicy Reads over at Lamar Millage Elementary School. And we're going to give out 100 uh, uh, book bags. And I'll be reading and to the kids, and we'll be uh, trying to get them all excited and pumped up about it. There's also Subaru Loves to Help, Subaru Loves to Care, and then Subaru uh, Loves uh, the Earth. Like I think I already talked about that, but... Um, Subaru loves to care and, and, and share the love. So we partnered with the Augusta Dream Center and we, we partnered with Success Team. And uh, obviously we give back to that. You uh, have been involved and engaged. You mentioned community service as well. Do you think that uh, you just mentioned it, but how important is that community service to you as an individual? But what does it also do for the, the a company? It's more important to me probably individually. I don't know that, and, and we put it on our websites, but I don't know that we get a lot of car sales and all that. But I think that everybody wants to live and work in a good community. Mm-hmm. And an example that I always use was a friend of mine had a business. It went down. He had to take his kids out of private school, went to a public school. His wife, it wasn't a great public school. 
his wife got involved with PTA in, in just a matter of a year or two because of parental involvement. It's a great school. Mm-hmm. And no money. This wasn't money. This was serving. You, you want a safe neighborhood. You want kids. You want a good place you can walk around the block. You want, you know, people fed. You want people healthy. You want, you know, and all of them are good. Alzheimer's, heart disease, children's mm-hmm. hospital, Salvation Army. There's no bad ones. And there's wonderful people working in all of them. Mm-hmm. But whatever, you know, maybe you've had one of those issues in your family or a friend, serve there because the better your community is from a business, this is a business podcast, the better your community is, the more stable it is. The more stable it is, the more people come. The more people come, the more opportunities there are, the more opportunities are, the better chance you have of making money. So, again, me personally at this point in my life, I like doing it because I enjoy doing it. Like I said before, I think I've got enough energy and hopefully I can help. But I think it's incredibly important. And, and from a biblical standpoint, you get blessed and served. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things, if, if you want to read a book, read Proverbs. Okay. There's 31 Proverbs and basically 31 days in a month. Right. Whether you're or not, if you read it, it tells you about honest ethics, not cheating on your wife, how to treat your kids, how to have advisors, what to do with money. It's all in there. Okay. And it's every day. And if you pick a day, I, can, I will bet you money. Even If you just pick it up any day. You read it at 9 o'clock in the morning. By the end of the day, you've dealt with it. Okay. And so it's just an easy way to learn whether or not you believe it. I believe it. But, I mean, even if you don't, go online. You can, any, you know, any Bible app is free. Okay. Put it on your phone and just commit. And one of the things we talked about, remember, I did a couple months ago, do one push-up a day. Mm-hmm. And my challenge to my guys was, doesn't matter if you do 50 push-ups, but do one every day. If you can do one every day for 30 days, you can commit to something. The hardest part is getting started. The hardest right. part of a push-up is getting on the floor. Okay. <laughs> but that's the thing. If you can commit to something that you're going to do, even if it's just a simple task, right. maybe it's checking the Wall Street Journal every morning, maybe it's whatever. But those little things is what gets you there. But you, you've got to succeed. You've got to serve in your community for you to succeed because I think it gives you – a good self-worth that helps you in your own endeavors. Okay. All right. So that's a nugget. That's a nugget. Make sure you pick that one up. So it's going to bring us to this, the get down, the get down is that sweet spot in the story or the music that we can take in and put in our spirit and kind of move forward um, to, to help us make a, another, another step. So, and in your words, what would your get down be about the conversation or three or four typical things that you would give people to take away? If you're going to do something, make sure it's interesting to you. One okay. of the things that I do is when I talk to someone, if they're interested in a subject, it's pretty easy to listen to them about Someone may be interested in fishing or playing piano or knitting or doing whatever, something that I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to listen to them because they'll be excited about it. They can describe it. They can tell you about it. If you're interested in a subject, you'll learn that subject. You know, we all like college football. I mean, we scream at college football games and, you, you know, work. The other thing I would say is, is the ethics part, honest and ethical, because if you're that and you end up with employees and you are not with them or you're not with your staff, or with your customers, they're not going to be with you. So they won't feel good about the company. They won't help you build the company. They'll know that it's short-lived. Honest and ethics help you in the long run, plus it's the way to live. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said before, have that staying power. Have a plan and say, okay, if I'm opening a business, how much cash do I need? Or I need this much. I need a line of credit. I need whatever. If it's going to cost me $25,000 a month to run this business, 
I need six months, I need a year of that put in the bank so that if I don't generate any income or if I've made a mistake and it's $30,000 a month, then I've got time to correct that error okay. so that I can maintain the business. All right. All right. So uh, interesting to you, honest and ethical and staying power are the three nuggets then that we're going to talk about or, or at least put in our spirit here. And remember, so which brings us to this, the, the, the podcast is the Beast presents epic visionary. So an epic is a period of time in history or in a person's life, typically marked by uh, notable events or particular characteristics. Andy, could you give us uh, uh, an epoch that you remember in your life? Well, probably two, mm-hmm. maybe three, but two of them would be one when my father's partner passed away. That's how I got in so early. Uh, he knew I wanted in and everything, so I was a junior at Georgia, and I borrowed the money, and, and I got into business. So that solidified what I was going to do both after college and that. I was going to quit college, and my father said, no, I'll finish college, and I did because it took me another year, and I just got out. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is when you get married and have kids, now I'm putting those together, obviously sometimes they happen, you know, two or three years apart, but then you realize you're not just responsible for you. So I look at my, all the folks I work with, I think I'm responsible for them because here is where they spend most of their life. If they have a good life at work, then they probably have a shot at having a good life at home because I've not added extra stress. Now business is stressful, but it's going to be stressful no matter what. But if they've been work somewhere else and I'm a better place to work with more input, with more compassion, with more honesty, ethics, whatever, then when they get home, they feel better. They're slightly more rested. They've got time to be with kids. They've got time to talk to their wife. They've got mm-hmm. time to do whatever, cut the grass and do those. But like I say, the, you know, obviously buying in was the biggest business thing I ever did. I mean, I've done bigger, but that was the first. And then the second thing was, you know, married into kids because now you realize that you're building for them. You know, before it's all excitement. Right. Um, and maybe one part of that is if you're building a business and it's not a husband and wife building the business, you have to remember the other spouse is worried, especially if you've been a breadwinner. You're excited. Mm-hmm. It requires conversation. Okay. Well, uh, I really, really appreciate the time that you uh, invested with us today. Uh, again, he is Andy Jones, the uh, owner of Gerald Jones Auto Group. Outside of that, though, he's a very, very uh, good, genuine person as a good leader that uh, has taught me a lot, has continued to teach me a lot. And hopefully we can take those things, Bees Nation, and apply them and continue to move forward. Uh, you can reach him at any time. He's always in the store. And uh, he's actually kind of different. He's got a red phone. So if anybody's got an issue, he doesn't duck anything. They can call him up and he will address the issue and uh, definitely take care of him. And that's just one thing that I learned from you. Don't hide from anything. Just put yourself out in the air. And if you've got a good foundation, it comes back to you and you just uh, uh, admit a mistake or handle a mistake and, and move forward with life and treat people well. So that's going to bring us to the end of this episode is how does one see the invisible? Again, I am Charles the B. Beasley and this episode comes out on Friday by all means go take a look at it and see or listen to it and see what's going on you can catch us out on the beesnetwork.com and we look forward to talking with you again in the future as we move forward to kind of do that thank you again and we look forward to talking to you next week 
You've been listening to The Bees Presents Epic Visionary. The Bees is an executive manager that runs two successful automobile franchises. Having been in the business since 1995, he's hired, trained, and mentored other successful executive managers who run and lead sales teams. And now he sits down with people from all walks of life to reveal how they were able to see the need for change in their way of thinking and begin a new period of productivity, growth, and success in their life. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. In the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bees Network. Till next time.